Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host, Hilary Milnes, and on today's episode, Jet Black founder and CEO Jenny Fleiss talked about her company's take on luxury, the future of conversational commerce, and how brands can benefit from the service. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for coming in. So, you know, in terms of the the areas that we cover, this is pretty firmly in like the luxury and technology. Uh, Jet Black is a concierge service. Do you mind just describing it pretty quickly? Sure. So with Jet Black, you can, for a monthly fee, be a member and you can have any item delivered to you with the ease of a text message, whether it's paper towels, laundry detergent, a gift, or a designer handbag. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is to take kind of the mental to-do list that you always have, all the things you need to buy and order, and to let you just like dump it with the ease of a text message. We deliver same or next day. Um, we'll do gift wrapping. We'll take care of your returns. So having a lot of the elements like a personal shopper, a personal assistant would have in mass scalable format. Mm -hmm. Great. And so you also were a co-founder of Rent the Runway. Right. So you have basically been working uh, on new ways for people to shop for for a while now. And when did the idea for Jet Black come come across? And you know, can you just take us back to when you first began working on it? Yeah. Well, so both Rent the Runway and Jet Black, it's you know democratizing luxury, mm-hmm. thinking of ways to change consumer shopping behavior, which is just my sweet spot and what I really love and enjoy. And both businesses largely were derived from experiences that I, as a consumer, felt and had in my own life. And I think that's the healthiest form of entrepreneurship, both in coming up with ideas, but also just having the passion to constantly drive those ideas forward. Um, So at Rent the Runway, you know, Jen and I were women in our 20s and related to this, you know, closet full of clothes, but nothing to wear moment. The pressure that social media was increasingly putting on consumers to turn over your wardrobe and find other great things to wear. And yet the frustration with spending a ton of money on something you would only wear once. Um, At Jet Black, you know, now I'm a busy mom of three kids. I work. I have a lot of of pieces of my career. And I'm constantly looking for hacks and tools, ways to just make life more streamlined and more efficient. And so Jet Black is largely born out of some of those pain points that I felt. Um, When I joined Walmart two years ago as the first business in their tech incubator, I worked with Mark Laurie to think about what does e-commerce 3.0 look like? And so combining some of the technology trends and innovations that were happening around conversational commerce, the ability to shop with your voice or over text message with pain points I felt as a consumer, we arrived at Jet Black. Mm -hmm. So Jet Black started differently because you were within this tech incubator when Rent the Runway started. Uh, What was it like from from your perspective as a founder, like what what resources did you have um, at your disposal within store number eight? uh, And how did that, you know, influence the way that Jet Black was formed? with your Rent the Runway background coming into play as well. Yeah, so it really let us go uh, much more quickly, especially in the beginning stages. Working within Walmart, you have the resources of everything from real estate, um, legal, 
HR, finance resources, and systems. So mm-hmm. from the get-go, a lot of the infrastructure pieces were already squared away. Um, and yet we were able to focus on the consumer value proposition and just lean into that in a really big way. Um, hiring employees, leveraging recruiting resources was a lot more efficient. So we've scaled our team to over 90 corporate employees. We have a close to 300, including hourly employees. All of that was very much enabled by this broader ecosystem that we've tapped into. Yeah. So, so can you take us a little bit under the hood and how JetBlack works? So someone, right now it's like a, a wait list to sign up. Correct. Um, how do you get off the wait list? Sure. So we're New York only, New York City only, um, five boroughs. And so with that, you know, there's already that filter. You have to be in one of the zip codes that we service. Mm-hmm. Um, we also service doorman buildings right now, though soon we will have non-doorman as well. So those are the two main criteria. And there's just making sure that we have enough capacity to service you in a super high quality way, the way that we want to. Consumers are shopping a a large amount with us. The average consumer is buying over nine items a week with us. So I think just given the engagement and the amount of shopping consumers are doing, um, we want to make sure that we have the right ability to service you at a high level. Right. So so you're slow and steady growth so far. Correct. Slow and steady growth. And so someone gets off the wait list, and then how do you get them set up? Is there like an initial like process where we kind of lay the groundwork for it? So we have an initial onboarding call. It's about 10 minutes, and it explains to you all the ways you can use this service. So anything from ordering items for setting up your summer home that can be delivered directly to your summer home to figuring out the best birthday gift recommendation, having it delivered gift wrapped, et cetera, um, to restocking just pantry essentials. So we'll go through some of the use cases. We'll also start to learn key information around your family and you know what brands you love, if you have any allergies, organic preferences, um, your children's names, their ages, so that we can use that information and let you shop faster go forward. So let's say we, you know, figure out by onboarding me that my son Jake is four and a half. The next time I ask for um, a t-shirt for Jake, they don't need to ask me, well, what size do you want, right? Mm -hmm. They're able to say, oh, it's probably like a size five that you're going to need. And so I think we're always just looking for those pieces of information that we can leverage to make our interactions with consumers the most efficient after the fact. Mm -hmm. And then we do offer a really um, fun service, um, which is optional, where we can send someone to your home to scan products under your kitchen sink, in your laundry room, in your medicine cabinet, whatever, wherever you want to give us access to um, so that we can get the information on SKUs that you prefer from the get-go. And so it's kind of like ripping off the Band-Aid of all of the purchase history and work that you've done before so that in the future you can order those with click-free shopping, the ability to just say the word of, hey, I need to restock my concealer mm-hmm. or more hand soap. And now that we know the exact SKU you have, it's like, great, your order's confirmed for this. Right. So when someone then starts shopping with Jet Black, like what what kicks in on the back end? Like who's on the receiving end of those messages? Sure. So a consumer will send a text message and on the back end, we've built a proprietary dashboard and it's pairing automated technology and workflows with humans. Um, So the interaction always feels colloquial and like natural dialogue, which is most efficient for the consumer. Um, And I think also has that trusted personal feel that consumers are really craving these days. But on the back end, we figured out the pieces that we can automate without causing pain to a consumer and we'll continue to automate more pieces over time, but without ever compromising that colloquial human touch that we want to feel. Mm -hmm. And then where, so say someone, you know, wants something like a concealer, what, like, where does that, 
where is that sourced from? Like, and then what's the delivery window? Yeah, great question. So we work with a host of partners. So obviously there's the Walmart family of brands, but we also have retail partners, digitally native brands that we work with, and we're largely forming our partnerships based on products that consumers are asking us for. So that helps us discover new amazing brands, and then reach out to people and say, let's let's you know create this partnership, um, and then we'll source product either from their local retail stores or we'll source it online if it's not available in a local store. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do strive to get as much product as possible same or next day. Um, in the event that we don't have a partnership because we're still early days in building partnerships, we'll go to a retail store and buy something essentially on behalf of the consumer and we'll just buy it at retail price. But there's never a markup to the consumer that's charged. Right. And and so uh, you're super familiar with pitching brands on, on new ideas yes. and, and ways to reach customers um, like you know you did with Run the Runway with, with Jet Black. What were those conversations like with brands? Um, obviously, it's you know a new a new way of shopping, but I think that you know people are kind of coming around to this idea that that convenience and you know saving time is is going to be key. So I'm sure that those conversations were a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, you know I think that the industry is in a different place, but also I had a lot of learnings from Rent the Runway. So early days, 10 years ago now, um, when we were starting Rent the Runway, it was really hard to sign on brands. The first 30 brands in particular, it was like pulling teeth. We would say, you know, it takes 10 meetings per getting someone signed on. So you needed to go in with this mentality of like, I'm probably going to be back nine more times before like they say yes on average. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, has very much changed for Rent the Runway. But I think we learned a lot in that process of what mattered to brands and just kind of listening to their concerns and how they wanted their brand to be presented, protected, caring about, you know, who were they, who was their peer set that they were considered in, what was the experience they could deliver for their consumer, how could they tell effectively, you know, the brand story or the amazing attributes about a product. And so I think in starting Jet Black, you know, I brought that perspective with me, and that is part of why we decided to start with a very premium um, experience so that every aspect of Jet Black does feel very white glove right now, um, meaning that brands from the get-go, you know, feel they can trust that we have this premium level of service. So much so that many of the brands have reached out to us proactively. You know, they'll see an order come through and, you know, if, after a few orders that come from Jet Black, they'll be like, oh, what is this? They'll research and be like, hey, you know, like, how do we do more with you and get on your platform? And for them, I think, you know, it's a way to tap into this concierge luxury experience, this new modality of shopping, get additional sales, but also reach, you know, a really compelling consumer who is shopping a lot, has a lot of discretionary income, is in, you know, New York City area, which is often kind of influencer and people who are trendsetters in many ways. So it's an appealing consumer for these brands. Mm-hmm. So in, in those conversations, though, it's things like, you know, brand adjacency. Like, how do you really answer mm-hmm. those? Like, how do you how do you tell a brand how it's going to show up, especially when, you know, the, the customer uh, shopping journey might not even be brand focused at the beginning? And, mm-hmm. and you're kind of taking the brand into the background because it's more about, okay, just getting the product, you know, into the hands as, as quickly as possible or as easily and, and, and taking care of the mental work rather than, you know, right now so many brands are focused on, okay, like we, we can drive foot traffic and make it, they're trying to like balance this, this convenience and experience. Like if we Completely. do get them in, they have to, you know, be immersed in, in this brand and we have to make it worthwhile because they left the house. And so it seems like they're, they're just juggling a lot of priorities 
priorities and in response to customer behavior and how that's changed. So do you have to like, you know, make them feel special? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, listen, everyone wants to feel special. I think you touched on exactly the right things that are the consideration sets, rightfully so in a brand's mind. And that's where I think we actually have, we have a lot of advantages in a couple of ways. So because we don't have um, a normal catalog that a consumer can browse through, everything is over text message, right? So someone is typically either asking us to replenish an item. That's a specific SKU, right? So that's only one choice, right? They don't, we just say, great, confirmed. Or they're asking us for a specific item, meaning that they are taking a photo of someone's Golden Goose sneakers, sending it in and asking us for that item. Mm -hmm. So in that instance, Golden Goose would never need to be compared against any peer set. Like we're just processing that purchase request. And then the third category is from recommendations. And that's where we might send a consumer about three product recommendations. But typically when we do that, we already have a sense of their personal preferences on budget, on, you know, their children's age, on brands that they already love. So we are already refining, you know, that the three products, two of them might even be from the same brand, right? But I think that concern that a brand might have of like, how do I appear visually on a website or in a catalog or what brands am I next to is really alleviated actually by our system. And it's a big advantage Mm -hmm. and a leg up. Um, The other thing we do is we do have a careful product in how we think about vetting any brand and product that we would recommend as we're looking to build trust from our consumers so that they can rely on our recommendations. So we explain that also to the brands we work with of like, we're not going to just put any travel stroller recommendation out there. We're going to want to have tried the stroller. We're going to want to have seen other customers request that specific item already, which tells us there's already a good likelihood that people are enjoying this product and like it. We want to see that people haven't returned that item and had complaints about the item. So there's a big data-driven component here too mm. that we hope we can circle back to the brands and share that data and that information. Um, but I think also gives them the confidence to know that we're servicing what the consumer wants. We'll be right back. Subscribe to Glossy's Beauty and Wellness Briefing to get the top trends and insider insights in your inbox every week. This exclusive look at the beauty and wellness industries is meant to dig into the topics that really matter and shed light on the elephants in the room. Subscribe today at www.glossy.co slash beauty email. Right. Yeah, I, that, that was going to lead right into my next question around what do you learn about customers, what they want, when they're shopping for what, and you know when they just want to replenish versus when they're looking for something highly specific? And how do you process all that information? How does it refine the, the Jetblack experience? And how are you then sort of telling brands, like, here's what we're seeing, here's how you can get involved? Yeah. So we are learning so much. I think, you know, the beauty and also the complexity of a text message field and voice as well is that consumers are asking for anything. They can say and tell you anything. But what that really means from a data perspective is you can actually capture, like, the full intent behind what a consumer is thinking going through their head. So let's say they asked us for a travel stroller recommendation and and, you know, we send responses, but then they're like, eh, it's something less expensive. You can't like fully capture that online. Someone might drop off a page and go somewhere else and you can only guess at the fact of why they didn't convert, right? right. Or maybe they say, you know what, like, do you have that but with a sunshield, you know, for my child? And so we're like, oh, well, that's an important attribute, important consideration factor. Mm-hmm. So there's that type of data. We call them kind of conversational attributes. Like what is the pieces that really matter? And if you as a consumer were reading through reviews, research, Q&As, those are the nuggets that you would probably have been looking for. And we're just helping you 
answer those questions and pick out the information that's most relevant without making the consumer go on their own to mom blogs, forums, asking friends, and digging through all these reviews, research, and Q&A. So that's one sort of data. What attributes matter about a product? Another sort of data is just what brands are cool, what brands are new and exciting. So when people ask for the specific product, it helps us unlock and uncover new interesting brands that we then research and learn about and decide if it merits adding it to our product catalog. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, we have, because we are servicing the broadest set of products that any any retailer really services, right? Paper towels to designer handbags. We have data across a much broader set of categories. So it's a much richer, fuller profile of how a consumer shops and kind of the the meat of of the context of who this consumer is across all of these categories, Um, let alone the, the personal data and information, which gets richer as someone shops. So Every time someone shops and makes a request, we are building kind of the innate profile of that person, whether that means that you've never bought toothpaste and you buy it once, and so now we know your favorite type, and in the future we don't – it's great toothpaste, or if it's just learning about, oh, the the type of price point you're comfortable paying for a children's birthday party request, we store all of that, and hopefully that means we ask you fewer questions going forward to make your experience more efficient. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that's really interesting is you can start to understand different patterns for a consumer of how frequently do they purchase a given item, and this is especially useful for replenishment items Mm -hmm. like paper towels, toothpaste, laundry detergent. And so our goal would be to help a consumer, if they opt into this, to eventually say, hey, we think you're out of these five products so that you never wind up with that like last roll of toilet paper, paper towels in your cupboard, and we can kind of really help you save time in, in more proactive ways. Right. It's it's interesting you brought up, you know, the paper towels to the designer handbags because what you hear so often from brands and and, and customers and is this idea that you have a like a, a site like Amazon or even Jet.com where you know, brands are like, they're like, oh, do we really want to appear in the same cart as pa- toilet paper? And mm-hmm. you know, to your point, it's it's almost good that the brands are kind of in this like cloud of possibility right. rather than right in the in the product feed. Uh, so how, whenever you think about you know Amazon and and what they're doing in terms of the convenience and efficiency factor, yeah. even you know just yesterday they announced one day shipping is is going to be the next mm-hmm. uh, prime offer. Uh, how do you position Jet Black as as an alternative to that, especially because you know Amazon has been able to reach so many people through Prime? Yeah, so I don't know that it has to be an either or. First of all, like I am, you know, I perfectly fine if our consumers want to keep their Amazon Prime accounts as well. Mm -hmm. Um, The reality is that over 50% of the items that we have sold on Jet Black are not available on Amazon. And that is largely in, you know, beauty, home, apparel categories. It's it's higher margin categories, which is great is great news for us from a competitive landscape perspective. Um, But like I think that to really win in this kind of future landscape, you need to service all categories. Mm -hmm. So when someone is going to buy the birthday gift for their kids' friends, like, they're also more inclined to just like make that paper towel purchase. So I do think the broader set of SKUs and the the more universal our catalog is, the more we have kind of that leg up and that advantage and that will naturally shift wallet share from consumers. But, you know, consumers use Amazon today for Prime Video, for all these other other methods too. I'm not, you know, I'm trying to compete against a a fairly narrow set of what's in their portfolio. Um, The ease of text messages, the ability to like mind dump, I call it, and just put something else on someone's plate is, is very appealing. Healing, combined with just the breadth of our catalog and the ability to us for us to constantly personalize that we don't need to ask you as many things to get you the right product. Right. 
Uh, and, and, and yeah, you're very right when you look into Amazon's business. Retail, it's a, such a small sliver. It's a small, they're, they're doing a lot of things to their credit. I um, mean, you know, I think a couple other differentiated things is we are really trying to build colloquial natural dialogue in the, in the service. Mm-hmm. And so when we interact with our consumer, it's the way you would talk to a personal assistant or to a friend or to a shopkeeper, which is what we believe to be efficient, um, but is clearly not the approach that other competitors have taken. So that's another differentiator. I think for us, the premium feeling and the um, the trust that that connotes uh, is critical as well, right? If I am, if you're asking me for a recommendation, you need to very much trust that when I send you three items, like this is a price point that is quality, these are quality products. So like building that personal trust and that connection with the brand, I think is another opportunity. And then of course, these relationships with the premium brands that, you know, other competitors haven't been able to form. Right. It's high touch. It's, It's there for you. And so... You know, you're obviously building a very massive tech infrastructure behind yes. this. And then in addition to that, you have the logistic piece. Um, I'm sure it's it's not, you know, simple or, or light lifting to get all these orders filled as, as quickly as you want. How do you see, you know, where does JetBlack make its money <laughs> in addition to the, the $50 a month? Like, how are you sort of building that, that viable business? Obviously, like we said, it's slow and steady growth, but sure. in terms of scale. Yeah. So um, much like many marketplaces where you take product margin on a purchase, you know, we work with partners. So every retailer that we surface product from, um, we might make an affiliate fee from them, or if we have a direct wholesale relationship, we'll make higher margin in the way that, you know, uh, a Neiman's, a Saks, or other retailers would as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for us, it's about increasing the number of those partnerships that we craft with both retailers and directly with with brands so that we can have the broadest selection of product. Clearly being part of the Walmart family and the Walmart family brands, we already have a great edge into a huge percentage of products that people are buying. And as much as we never, or we would never push a product on someone just because it's in that catalog. Um, if someone asks us for a specific skew of Crest toothpaste, Walmart is just as likely to have it as the other competitors. So right. that's where we'll service, and, and you know, so we have that product margin already built in mm-hmm. from a very large set of SKUs. And, and as Walmart com- acquires more businesses and brands, I mean, you've seen Bonobos, Eloquy, Shoes.com, like that also gr- also grows in kind of the opportunity set there. Right. It's really interesting. I, I love digging into what Walmart's doing on that e-commerce arm of the business. Mm-hmm. So, and and even with with store number eight. Um, I feel like, you know, so many retailers, like they have an incubator and it means a lot of different things. And so, so for you and your experience, what, what did like being part of a tech incubator mean for Jet Black? Yeah, well, so Jet Black is the first business in the store number eight tech incubator, which was part of the exciting aspect of joining and starting this business. I was like, you know, we get to help form the template for innovation in this Fortune One retailer. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really brave and exciting that Walmart dove in head first. Like there wasn't an exact map of how this is going to work. Um, it was like a entrepreneurial, let's learn by doing. So we've been the guinea pig, knowingly so, Mm -hmm. and kind of by going through certain things, which were pain points, but certain things, which are also great opportunities and unlock, we've now been able two years in to, I think, create a really good framework for as they launch and start new businesses and brands, what does the structure look like? What are the guardrails? Where is it more effective to leverage Walmart? Where do we lean out? What are shared services? So certain, um, aspects and life cycle of a company, it makes more sense to share an IT resource or to share a recruiter versus to hire your own. So there's really powerful learnings that I think now we've documented and created this kind of playbook Mm -hmm. for how do we start up 
you know, new businesses and what is eligible. Right. And I think that we're only going to see more of that as as companies realize, one, the value that, that all of these individual brands have built. But then on the brand side, you're like, okay, this is, you know, when, when the high volume retail business starts to kick in, it becomes a very wieldy operation, as I'm sure you're very familiar. Uh, and so as, you know, you're, you're looking to to scale and like, what has been brand awareness like for you? Like, how have you been acquiring new customers? I'm, I'm imagining that the marketing and and you know, side of the business is very intentional because, you know, if you were to blast it out, like it has to be like incremental growth, as you know, as much as the business can can yeah. handle taking on new customers. But how have people been finding out about Jet Black? Yeah, so I have like a pretty specific view on marketing and um, it's what Jen and I kind of naturally came about with Rent the Runway again, leveraging our vantage point of consumers. And we were like, how do we want to hear about new products and brands? What is the most effective, trusted way? And again, with Jet Black, same thing, I think trust is key. And when you're changing a consumer shopping behavior, you're asking them to like take a leap of faith. I think it's even more important that they hear about you from a trusted source. So at Rent the Runway, we knew that at a party or at, the war- at work, Mm-hmm. the natural conversation starter between women is like, oh, you look great. Or, you know, I love your blazer. What are you wearing? And if we could have Rent the Runway be a part of that conversation, if we could build a brand that was aspirational enough and experience that felt smart and cool, then we could like take advantage of that moment. Mm-hmm. And we, we really did. So, you know, Rent the Runway to date, the lion's share of our marketing has been word of mouth. And it also enables you to answer questions. Someone's like, well, what if I spill wine on it? Or, you know, what if it doesn't fit? And you could can answer all those questions and really help train a consumer. And so I wanted to create that same thing with Jet Black. And, you know, I think very naturally there's um, mom groups that evolve. There's groups at schools that evolve. So there was this natural virality and word of mouth with mom groups and community that were also going to these blogs and forums and asking each other for product recommendations, et cetera. And I related to that as a consumer. And so it was like, you know, here's a consumer which both really needs advice on new products and is spending a lot of time with other ways to get it, but is also in this natural kind of viral community and word of mouth. So if we can target some of those consumers to start with, that would be a really powerful way to launch this viral word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And then we've done, you know, very intentional things like we include gift wrap for free as part of the membership. Now, gift wrap is a really big pain point, as is gifting for moms. I mean, I have with three kids, I have a birthday party at least one every weekend. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's always like the last thing we want to be thoughtful. You want to have a nice, nicely wrapped gift, but you're like running on the way to the party to stop and get one. So I think for us, that was a natural way that we could really help a consumer, but also now if you're at a party and you see three or four gifts that have the same wrapping and it's beautiful, it's likely to probe a like, oh, well, what is that? Or, you know, we have a, a subtle logo on the gift tag. So maybe you see that and the consumer is now like, oh, that was an awesome gift. And the person who received it is intrigued and looks at that. So I think like tapping into these natural conversation starters and talking points to launch your business and launch these marketing touch points is most effective, trusted and cost effective for your business in the long term. And so our, our wait list, you know, we we have a long wait list right now and we have done nothing to try to grow and build that wait list mm. because we're still in the scaling process of our business. Right. Yeah. And, and that's yeah, I think that's that's really true. And it definitely helps that it's 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 free advertising, essentially, when you yeah. have that, that yep. highly concentrated group. Um, I feel like the wait list it can be a, like a, a, a blessing and a curse almost for, for a new business. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you manage that? Like what's the biggest challenge is like challenges in terms of of growing the business right now? Yeah. So I think um, on the waitlist side, 
communication is key. Like I think we've kind of put communications up when someone signs up of like we're only in New York right now. So first off, if you're not there, like don't expect that we're going to service you in the next year, right? Right. Or more. Um, And giving you a sense of like, and if you are in New York and doorman building, you know, the average wait time is like three to six months. So I think just giving people information and and stuff as well is is a big piece of it. We also have certain aspects that people on the wait list can still take advantage of. So we will send like our top product recommendations and lists so you can start getting oriented with the brand and maybe benefit from it in different ways. Um, so trying to, I think, keep those commu- that community engaged but also communicate is really an important piece of, of having a wait list. Right. Um, in terms of, for us, you know, scaling, it's really just building the robust infrastructure on the tech side so that we can automate more pieces of the process and make sure that we can consistently and reliably deliver an experience to customers that we feel proud about. Because mm-hmm. what you're really angling for is this last mile delivery that be, because it's like there is no last mile really it's all happening right right around where where a customer is and so having that like you have the tech infrastructure but then you also have the ability to just get these products like how has that been built out like I, I'm sure a majority of maybe not a majority but a lot of your workforce is the people you know shopping and, and delivering these, sure. these products. Well, um, in some ways I say it's like Instacart for everything, right? So like we have a team who's going around and shopping and purchasing these products mm-hmm. and that's where density actually really helps. Like there's big economies of scale. If I'm going to a local retailer and buying items for 10 people or for a thousand people, then it's, you know, very similar costs. And so that's where we'll scale over time. I think similarly, if I'm delivering to an apartment building that has one consumer or has 40 consumers, it's similar cost. So I think that's what also enables some of the aspects of like, we don't have a minimum order size. So someone could literally order a toothbrush tomorrow and like, that's fine. We'll deliver just that toothbrush and we're probably going to the building anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot of things we've already done to kind of take advantage of some of the of the density abilities. Um, we've also done some creative things leveraging the Walmart infrastructure. So Walmart has an amazing setup and supply chain and has stores within um, 10 miles of 90% of the U.S. population, right? So if you think of that and just these like built-in pods of inventory almost, for a good percentage of the product, we do line hauls just consistently during the day, New Jersey, Philly, to stores and kind of in the neighboring states. And Mm -hmm. then we've started to loop in other retailers who have enough product to just constantly pick up items. And it's actually beneficial from a brand and a partner perspective of if they're not having to pay for shipping or, you know, or delivery in any way, and we're just coming and taking, you know, picking up that product, that's another kind of margin bonus for them. Right. It's really interesting. Um, I'm excited to see where this goes. Thank you. Um, Me too. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Uh, What have been some of the, like, the the craziest requests that that Jed Black has seen? Oh, gosh. We had one for a table saw, which we weren't expecting in New York, right? right? So you have those whammies, but just gives you a sense of just how far and wide some of the requests are and just across different categories and the number of SKUs people are are touching and surfacing. Yeah, because I can only imagine over time you're like, okay, I can do my refills or my errands like like gifting. Um, But then as you use it, like, you know, people kind of catch on like the the possibilities. Yes, and we learn new ideas and behaviors from consumers. So it was a consumer who first took a screenshot photo of a paperless post invite for a mm-hmm. child's birthday, sent it to us. Immediately we know the gender, how old the child is, probably the theme that they like, and the date of the party. And bam, that combined with the info on probably what this consumer wants to spend from right. you know their budgeting info, we can just get that birthday gift done. We don't even really have to ask any questions mm-hmm. to serve up some great recommendations for a consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's kind of more and more of that of like how consumers learn different 
different ways of using us. We have some consumers who will take a screenshot of their shopping cart from another website, just not wanting to have to enter their payment info and the address info and have to receive spam email and sending it over to us. And it's like, oh, shop for it. And also great that like you do returns and you'll pick up my returns. So now if I did want to return it, that's another benefit to why I would shop with Jet Black versus on another website. Right. So in terms of, of the, the customer behavior that has to match a, a service like this, um, like texting comes in and also just like a different way of thinking about mm-hmm. how you how you shop and fill items. Um, you know, where do you think where do you think we are right now in, in terms of you know mass mass use of, of this type of technology in, in, in shopping and you know, where, where, how do you look at the roadmap? Yeah. So I think it's all about, you know, redefining omni-channel again and again. I think it's text message is a piece to me of the bigger puzzle. Um, I don't, you know, I don't pretend that there, I mean, there should be moments when you want to go into a store or see a product. Now, whether you decide to snap a photo of that product and just send it to us, so you don't have to deal with schlepping it home or you don't have to deal with should you want to return it, mm-hmm. that may be effective too, right? I think there are times we have an app for Jet Black also. Now, the app has limited functionality intentionally because our main experience is over text message. But if you want to see your order history, it is more efficient to actually do that on your app. If you want to reorder all of your bathroom essentials, there's a way to reorder kind of like 20 items at once mm-hmm. over the app. So I think it's about thinking of in different moments and different use cases, how can you always provide the most efficient option for a consumer? And and that's where if I think of the future, there'll be times when voice is most efficient. Mm-hmm. That might be when I'm, you know, holding my child in, in the kitchen and I realize that we're out of eggs. Right. Um, and I think so. I think the technology around voice will continue to get better and better. And that will be just another lever in the toolkit of how consumers will interact with mm-hmm. Jet Black. Right. Awesome. Well, really interesting to, to hear everything that you guys are up to. Thank, uh, you. thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks Enjoy for it. really great questions. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the episode. A special thanks to Gianna Cappadona, the producer of this podcast. As a thank you for listening, we're passing along a limited time introductory offer on a three-month subscription to Glossy Plus. Glossy Plus members access unlimited stories, exclusive research, and more. Join today for just $49. That's $80 off by entering the code intro at checkout at glossy.co slash subscribe. And as always, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Anchor FM and leave us any feedback you have.